You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dub Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. So the theme is fun. And when I hear fun, I think food and food is today's topic. And I have wonderful wonderful guests i am i'm so thrilled first we have kat dylan who is my newest friend who i'm thrilled to get to know more because she's all about the eating and the eating well and the food so and dr meg who introduced us said she's perfect so thank you and dr meg hayward um we just met a few months ago, but I feel like I've known you forever because we're connected through Ladies Take the Lead and Finding Fabulous, and we've guested back and forth, and it's great to see you here again. And among other things, Dr. Meg is a professional personal chef, so when I said food, Meg said yes, please, and <laughs> Beth Howard, who is the high baker an author extraordinaire, or should I say author and pie baker extraordinaire. And of the batch, we've known each other since I did my live meetups um, at Barnes & Noble in Santa Monica, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore, but also through Media Bistro. And that's back and forth. And she's so close yet so far away because we're all connected. We're all West Coast LA-ish area, which doesn't always happen. So anyway, that is completely irrelevant. What matters is we're gonna talk about food and it's going to be awesome. So um, why don't we start with you, Kat? Will you please let everyone know a little bit more about you and why you're here and why you love food? Wow, loaded questions. Where do I start? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I am here as a registered holistic nutritionist slash chef. I started my career as a, um, as a chef who got burned out and always had a passion for cooking healthy anyway. Um, I, I, I started cooking at a very, very young age. I remember my first dish. You're not going to believe this. It was veal scallopini. I would never eat veal anymore. <laughs> okay, just get this straight. But I was like seven years old, and I made veal scallopini off my first cookbook. Um, uh, at the same time, I was uh, listening to Jack LaLanne on PBS in the back room, uh, and that'll totally age me, right? Uh, and so I was always interested in food and wellness as as just you know feeling fit, feeling good. Um, and then and eating well and food was always a big deal in my family growing up as a Cuban uh, mother with a Cuban mother and an Irish father we always had like food was just always the, the thing um, you know we'd go out to uh, restaurants or we'd go to a cousin's house where there was pig roast and Cuban food and uh, black beans and picadillo and you know all kinds of beautiful food and um, and ultimately, I I just wanted to uh, combine both forces, and I and I and I actually did. I, I gave up uh, cooking in restaurants about uh, ten years ago, 
and never to look back. And um, I, I, I love it. I celebrate uh, food with my clients. Most of my clients are burnt out women, uh, kind of midlife, and I really help them just rediscover their 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 passion for for eating well. Uh, and also, um, you know, lots of my clients do suffer, unfortunately, from either hormonal imbalance or gut issues. And we sort of um, bring back um, not just the, the healthy eating, but but also really connecting with their food. I think we've been so disconnected. I'm sure lots of you ladies are going to be able to agree and, and kind of talk about that during the show here. But I'm, I'm really feeling like there's a really big disconnection with food and eating. And that's why I was so excited, Deborah, that you had me on here today to uh, to, to get into this issue. Well, and, and it's great to meet you. And I love having you on. And I just have to share the earliest thing I remember cooking is I tried to make grilled cheese in a pop-up toaster oven. It was not pretty. <laughs> I just had those flashes. You were the exact opposite of your first cooking memory. Luckily, I don't scare people with my cooking anymore, but I, maybe I'll talk a little bit about that later. But I, that was just like such vivid food and food memories. It's such an important part of bonding and keeping people together, especially now where everybody does feel disconnected. Food is like the one conversation anybody can have with anybody. So, Dr. Meg, wonderful to see you. <laughs> you too. Thank you for having me on here again. And uh, please tell everybody more about you and why you are here and why you love food. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Food healed me. I mean, it really seriously healed me. Um, in my 20s, I had over a dozen illnesses. I was in and out of doctor's offices, and uh, my uh, I ended up le learning about alternative medicine. I went to a chiropractor, and she said, you need to go to a nutritionist. And so I went to the nutritionist, and she said, I had you know all these digestive disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, migraine headaches, and um, on and on and on, over a dozen illnesses. And so she... Uh, she said, you know, in 97% of the IBS cases that she saw, if you eliminate gluten, dairy, sugar, I did a whole elimination diet. So that was like caffeine. And this was 25 years ago too, before food allergies were a thing, you know, in, in our just sort of modern conversation, we didn't have a gluten-free aisle like we have in the grocery store now. So, um, so at any rate, I eliminated those things and within a, uh, a week, or two weeks, I was feeling like a whole new person. Um, I mean, I was still really sick and had a long way to go. And that's how I ended up getting into transpersonal psychology because I was also healing the mind-body connection and and then food to support itself to heal the whole person. Um, so I combine all of those things together now and I work with people all over the globe. Um, and one of the things that I do is I help people with diets for specific chronic conditions. Um, because a lot of times you'll get a big list from your doctor that says, you can't have these 25 things, so what do I eat now? And people get stuck in that. I mean, it's really horrifying. I'm, I remember the first time I walked into Whole Foods Market when I was like 27, and that's where my nutritionist sent me to go. And I, I walked in into all these tiny little boxes with these brands I'd never seen in my whole life. I burst into tears and I left the store. And then I proceeded to lose like 25 pounds because I didn't know what to eat. And I want to prevent people from that. So the first cookbook I wrote was um, uh, Done With Dairy, Giving Up Gluten. Um, and it's 14 days to a delicious and healthy you. <laughs> and um, it's 14 days of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert for people that want to or have to go gluten-free and dairy-free overnight because I didn't want people to have to go through that. I actually heard that story from so many people along the way. So, um, But I worked in Hollywood for 14 years as a private chef to celebrities, and it was really fun. Um, and uh, I don't actually do that anymore. The pandemic 
ended that career for good, or at least for now. I mean, because I actually have been in touch with some people and I might consider taking one. I don't know. I miss, <laughs> I miss the creative aspect of cooking. It's just like, like Kat was saying, it's exhausting. It's really hard work. And uh, seven years ago, I was struck by lightning, which was what actually took me out of the game of private chef, period. So I was able to do one or two uh, people, but after that is when I put everything together into my holistic wellness programs. So, um, so, so that's that's where I am today. <laughs> so you used all the things that you needed to learn and you used it to help other people, which is wonderful. And I love how, so we're, we're transitioning from gluten-free to pie baker yes. and author. <laughs> Beth Howard, Beth, so nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Beth. Of course. I do make gluten-free pie crust when I need to. It's just a matter of finding the, the right flour, which is not very hard anymore. You know, even in rural Iowa, where I've been living on a farm, um, the local Walmart, which is sadly where we have to shop, um, they carry gluten-free flour uh, and Bob's Red Mill and other brands. Even Walmart has its own brand of gluten-free flour now. So that's how far we've come, right, Meg, since, uh, since the early days. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I am a pie maker um, and I use pie also as healing um, in a different way. Um, I lost my husband 12 years ago this month and my grief was so overwhelming. Uh, I was I was pretty stuck in that. But I had been a pie baker very <laughs> just as a funny story. Like I had um, been a journalist and then I went to work for a dot com in San Francisco during the height of the boom and the uh, the amount of time spent behind a computer screen was ridiculous and we were creating virtual worlds and it's like no we should be getting people out in you know doing outdoor adventures outside instead of just sitting on their butts watching them on a computer so i i when i quit i said i just want to go work with my hands and so i ended up making pie in malibu at malibu kitchen it's still there i was their resident pie baker for a year and uh but fast forward, I got married, and then when my husband died at the age of 43 of a ruptured aorta, I was mired in grief, and I turned back to pie baking because pie had nurtured me back to life after the dot-com job, and it once again nurtured me back after you know, the loss of my husband and got me through the grief because what happens is pie makes people happy. You know, you make somebody a homemade pie, and, and you have the experience of of the meditative experience. So, you know, you guys, it's, we're all sort of alike, even though I'm not like the, the holistic part of a natural, actually, but I'm, you know, mind-body connection, you know, you're putting the, your energy into your food, you're, you're slowing down, you're making something with your hands, you're having a tactile experience, and you're making something for somebody else. So uh, it gets you out of your head and it's, you know, you can feel good about your accomplishment. And then when you give that pie to somebody as a gift, and ideally, you know, you're making it for somebody who needs to be cheered up, you know, somebody else who's going through a hard time. There's always somebody going through a harder time than you are. I, that is the one thing I learned at the lowest point of my grief. There's always somebody suffering more than you. So get out <laughs> and do something for somebody else make them a pie or make them a gluten-free lasagna or i mean it doesn't matter but the fact that you just do something to give of yourself to others and pie for me is that thing that vehicle but it's um it's a metaphor for me it could be you were talking about tom papas earlier with the he makes bread and gives it away i mean i know somebody who knits prayer shawls and gives them away but you know the point is to give of yourself to make other people feel good and that in turn makes you feel good and that in therein lies the healing so that's my story kind of <laughs> part of it <laughs> well i love it and i was very adamant when i was putting together this panel that i wanted well you but i thought it was very important to have the balance of the because you are eating to heal in just a different what in cooking to heal and anybody who's known me longer than four years knows that I did not love to cook until I got my Instant Pot four years ago. And now I, it was life changing for me. And I could not have survived the last year and a half of trying to be creative with food without it. Uh, it's, there's so many different <laughs> layers. 
yes, pun was intended, to all different types of food. So let us jump in, and I probably know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, do you consider yourself a healthy eater? I mean, I mean obviously, like I said, I kind of feel like everybody's going to say, well, yes, mostly. Um, so do you, and what, I'll, I'll add a sweetener to it. What is the one thing that you eat that maybe isn't so healthy, but makes you feel good? And Kat, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, uh, well, fortunately for me, um, I absolutely love the flavor, the taste of healthy food. I, I honestly do, hand on heart, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just is. Um, I'll say uh, probably, and, and I'll preface this answer to say that it, um, you know, everybody has their uh, level of what they consider like is healthy and whatever, but um, I would say probably wine would be my unhealthiest thing. And even that is not like, I, I really keep a cap on that. And I will, I, I don't drink uh, more than like four glasses in a week. So I'll have like, um, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday with my husband, you know, or a friend. It's always celebratory with the meal just to really enhance the, the, the meal itself. I would say that would probably be it. I, I would say to people um, making sure, you know, they're not doing the four glasses at one time. And, um, and and it's funny because, you know, people have this different perception of like alcohol and size, right? Volume, um, much of the time, you know, people are like, yeah, I have one glass, but they're, they're drinking like a big bucket. Anyway, that's probably my thing. That would be my, my unhealthiest. Okay, I, I think we should call them cheat foods because treat foods. Oh, treat, treat yeah. foods is even better than cheat foods. Okay, yeah. um, Dr. Meg. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't like the cheat food idea. It just makes it sound like you're doing something dirty and bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something in the shadows. Um, but yeah, treat foods. Um, let's see. Probably. I mean, I do eat very very healthy, like everything's organic, gluten-free, dairy-free. Um, like cat, I love the taste of vegetables. Like if I don't have enough vegetables in a day, I'm like craving them and I'll just get a bowl full of them and put fun things on it, fun to me anyway. Um, and I wasn't always like this. I was a junk food junkie growing up. So um, it was crazy because my dad was a junk food person and my mom was an organic gardener. So. <laughs> We had both both sides of the coin there, um, but probably the worst thing I do is same as cat. It's it's wine, and it's not definitely not every day. And sometimes I go for several weeks without having any at all, and then you know it'll be like on a weekend, it'll be celebratory with a friend. Same, you know, not not to excess, but still, it's you know, alcohol is really hard for the body to process, and I know for me because I didn't drink at all for two years at one point and I was able to keep my weight down. But when I started drinking again, it was like, you know, five pounds that it's not going unless I stop again. And, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with that, the extra five pounds, <laughs> you know, just, you know, it's, it's just nice to have that. It's, there's just that thing of sharing it and the flavor. Oh my God, I love the flavors and the way you, it pairs with foods, like when you have a nice red with something spicy, uh, it's really great. So yeah, so that's where, that's where I am. And then, you know, sugary chocolatey things, but even that, I don't do that very much. But wine is healthy and dark chocolate is healthy, right? So we're good. It's debatable. Ish. Okay, well, <laughs> well, we can get more, more into that. And, and what about you, Beth? What, what are your treat foods? I mean, I guess pie and pie, but tell, tell us a little bit more about your love of food. Well, I, I, I when you guys are talking and you know, just because I just got back to California, what I'm thinking is, uh, you know, I've been living on this farm and we do farm to table and that sounds really healthy and organic, but it's a lot of red meat because my partner raises cattle. So um, just been eating 
way too much meat in my opinion but i mean i'm with this farmer and that's what he eats three times a day and i you know it's hard to get away from that when you live with somebody so um now that i'm here uh flying solo for a while in california i'm like so into those buddha bowls i can't you know like give me the kale and the brown rice and the so it's funny because i'm like doing the opposite now instead of treating myself i'm here like detoxing practically i'm just like okay i need to like i'm gonna do the gluten-free i'm gonna you know, i'm really cutting back right now if i treat myself i mean definitely wine i don't i'll never take that off the list i drink lattes i've got the dairy thing going i mean i'm not i'm not super careful but um but a lot, i get asked all the time how do you eat so much pie and stay so thin and i'm like I don't eat it. I give it away. I make it for other people. It's not like cookies where you can just have one and then nobody will know if you took one or, you know, it's it's like you serve it around pie. If you take a slice, it just doesn't, you don't do that. You know, you don't, you don't offer somebody a pie with a slice missing. So, yeah. so yeah, but I like, um, you know, I love chocolate. So that's like, that's my treat food. But, um, but I don't, I, I learned a long time ago that you know, if you, like you were talking about the, the word cheat and if you like deprive yourself and you tell yourself that you can't have something, there's oftentimes that um, the opposite happens. Then you start craving it because you're so conscious of it. And uh, so I, I've i learned to not um, tell my, I, I've learned to say that, hey, I can have whatever I want, but I always stop and ask myself, well, how bad do I really want it? And then I have a friend who's, uh, her little code is, WTC, is it worth the calories? So now I just look at something and I go, WTC? And then, you know, so it's, I just, it's, that's part of the mindfulness thing. It's just a simple question you can ask yourself, like, is it really worth it? Is that really what I want? Maybe I just need a good cry, or maybe I just need to go <laughs> for a walk, or, um, you know, I'm not a huge follower of Glennon Doyle, but I did read in her book, Untamed, I guess it was, sometimes you just need a glass of water, you know? It's just so simple, like that could just be this cleansing thing. So, you know, I think we overcomplicate this whole question and it's just, you know, it's all about balance, right? It's exercise, it's um, mindfulness, it's don't eat, don't stress eat, or if you do, make up for it somewhere else. So balance, right. moderation. Okay. I'm sorry, say again? Oh no, that's just uh, my roundabout answer to your question. <laughs> no, it, it's all the answers. There are no wrong answers, especially when it comes to food. But in general, there are no wrong answers. That's why I so enjoy doing this show because we get people with different takes and different opinions. It really is, though, all about balance, moderation, and do you really want to do an hour of cardio to make up for the scoop of ice cream or maybe a frozen banana? We'll do the trick and that's much healthier. So there you go. I love frozen fruit. That is like my cheat because I love ice cream. That used to be like, well, I still love ice cream, but I love feeling healthy more than I love ice cream. So I will have a frozen fruit, frozen cherries, like totally addictive because it's, you get the natural sugar and it feels good. And it actually makes me feel better than eating ice cream. Know, well, the sad so reality weird. is the older you get, I'm probably the oldest one here by far, uh, the older you get, the harder it is to keep the weight down and the harder it is to keep your muscle tone. So it's just, then then that really, is it worth the calories? That's when it really comes into play because it's just- So the balance and figuring out what makes sense for you, you know, does is this gonna make me feel good? My biggest downfall when I worked for other people was this vending machine with soda in it or worse, when they had the fridge stocked with soda, which I worked for startups and they had that. And that was like my worst thing. So whenever I felt like feeling healthy, I would just, I would just kick the soda. I've been off soda with the rare exception uh, for years. And oh my goodness, does it make you feel good not having all the chemicals. Anyway, just my, my take. <sighs> Did you have something to say about this, Meg? I do. Please, please. <laughs> this all things in moderation is dangerous when it comes to food. And I I really have to call this out because there are so many food chemicals 
I mean, there's like, there's over 10,000 chemicals that we swallow in our food every day. There's herbicides, pesticides, fungicides that they're spraying on what's supposed to be healthy food, you know, like spinach and broccoli and all these things. And um, I think that food quality is super important. And what you put into your mouth translates to your body. And I agree with Beth that you have to as you get older, I just turned 54, you have to continue refining your diet as you get older. I, I constantly have to refine my diet because it's it's not about fighting with weight for me, it's about keeping my health in balance. And that to me is more important than um, thinking about I'm balancing my food and having all things. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, um, Because to me, extra weight is inflammation. And I don't want to have that. And I have also lived a life where I was very sick for years. And so I don't ever want to go back to that condition. And my body tells me right away. And, and I feel bad for people whose bodies don't tell them, you know, that that this is not good for you. And this is this is causing this disease or that problem. So anyway, I just had to jump in there and say that. Oh, I think it's when you get used to it though, right? Dr. Meg, like with your clients, wouldn't you say that once they get into the habit of eating, then they then they go, the next time, a, you know, somebody waves something processed in front of them, they're like, no, that doesn't sound good. Like when you say yeah. that, that, it's like yeah. a habit. If you you get to, to the get point. To how your body feels. You get it's it and you get to the point too, where you just don't want that kind of thing. Like just the whole idea of having you know, a, a processed donut just grosses me out, you know, or a Ritz cracker, Ooh, the coating on the roof of your mouth, that stuff does like you just, you don't know until you stop all of it. And then your palate adjusts to real food. And you're like, this stuff is amazing. <laughs> it's so much better. And I feel so much better. So, um, so yeah, so. And you know, don't you think too, it's just really Taking the weight piece off of the table and thinking about, we're talking about inflammation here. This is serious business, right? With brain inflammation, cardiovascular inflammation. I mean, we do not want to age with brain inflammation. It, it's I mean, we have I mean, look at Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is is actually considered diabetes type three. And regulating our blood sugar really should be humor, you know, in what we're doing, right? It's going to make us have a better mood. It's going to make us more resilient to stressors, the ability to actually want to do the things that are good for us, right? When we're in a crappy mood because we haven't the last thing we want to do is get to bed early and choose the foods that are really good for us that lower inflammation. It's just like this constant cycle, feel bad, self-medicate, right? Eat too much pie or <laughs> you know, drink wine and then watch Netflix all night, get a really bad sleep, drink three cups of coffee, eat a donut or eat a muffin or something like that. Because it feels good. We don't want to do the long term. Our brains aren't really wanting that. We're wanting that short term reward, that dopamine hit, and then we all just sort of fall to the wayside and, and really just have this trouble getting our bodies back. But it's not just that. It's not it's not the weight. It's so I have a question. What are good foods to eat to sleep better? Because that is like, especially I read this study about how people's sleep is work. Did you, did I see this from you, Dr. Mike? I don't know. Something about how people are sleeping worse these days because of all the stress with the pandemic and life and what have you. So what is the solution? Please enlighten us. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll real here. I'm sure Dr. Meg has a lot to say here. Uh, absolutely, it's it's not only what we are eating, but what we're not. Um, alcohol is number one. The, the worst thing for sleep, the worst thing. Also foods that you're sensitive to, it could be even a healthy food that you're sensitive to. So finding out what your intolerances are, uh, your, your sensitivities are, managing your blood sugar. So a, a real uh, not so good thing to do is to have that late later dessert, right? If you're, you're having something 
like that or a treat, you know, making sure that it happens the earlier part of the day when you're more active, right, for circadian rhythms, you've probably heard about that. Um, and then foods that are rich in tryptophan really, really help. Um, things like turkey, beans, um, a small amount of whole grains, vegetables. Uh, the other thing is a lot of times I tell my clients um, if they're watching their carbs, uh, especially if they're in the perimenopausal, menopausal stages, is to consider uh, being lower carb for the daytime, and then at night to maybe have a little bit more low, uh, a little bit more carbohydrate in their last meal of the day, making sure that meal is early enough so they can sleep. But let's say it's a small amount of let's say sweet potatoes, purple potatoes, brown rice, wild rice, something like that. Because um, I find that. There's a lot of my clients that are going too low carb for them, right? They might be stressed or stressed. We're just totally stressed out in pandemic nation. Who's not stressed out? So our bodies do need a little bit of carbohydrate. And I find that just having that at the latter meal really helps the body. And then also, lastly, I'll just put in there, squeezing that eating window to be really tight, like not be grazing all day, minimizing the snacking, but eating a short meat window, definitely less than 12 hours really, really helps. Um, if you can get that to eight to 10, great. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, but I think that uh, a lot of times we eat too late and that interferes with our, our good sleep, right? We're too busy digesting and not, we, we definitely need to have that um, good sleep to manage our digestion the next day. So. That's a quick, dirty answer. <laughs> so you're actually advocating to eat dessert first because you don't want to eat dessert so late. <laughs> okay, I like to choose okay. things. Maybe maybe sharing a, a dessert at lunch or something like that, or you know maybe after some exercise. But I will say too, what's really helpful, Deborah, uh, and this is one of the things that I tell my clients the biggest help for people that have trouble either eating late or sleeping poorly or something like if like doing not so great habits at night is to take that after dinner walk that it's just a game changer your stomach feels better you can rest better you metabolize better your blood sugar and insulin levels decrease and if you have a like a really good sleep great well i i love the tips Dr. Meg, did you want to add to that? What she said, and I would also say that if um, if you do have food allergies, food sensitivities, it can cause all kinds of issues in your body. Um, it's been they've been linked to so many different diseases. So, um, and and it could be linked to poor sleep as well. It just you know it's it's it fascinates me every single time because we're so different. Um, and how we metabolize food and how we uh, deal with chemical overload um, in our environment and in our bodies. And, you know, it's it's so individual. And I think that's, you know, why it's great to have somebody like Kat around who is, um, who knows her stuff when it comes to this, you know, and knows what to look for. I mean, we both do in our different ways, you know, and, um, but yeah, I, I think wine is probably at the top of the list of the things that messes up your sleep worse than anything. Any, anyone who starts paying attention to the fact that, oh, I had a few glasses of wine tonight and I woke up four hours later and couldn't go back to sleep. I mean, that's, you know, um, and then there's, there's foods that cause anxiety and depression and, um, you know, maybe not in every single person, but they're more likely to. And they usually will go back to food chemicals. Food chemicals are just... They're just not good all around. So Beth, do you have any thoughts, insight in the foods for sleeping in the food for sleeping topic? Uh, I find that um, garlic is a stimulant for me. So if I have too much garlic, I don't, I'm not really that sensitive to foods that I'm aware of, but that's one that I know will keep me awake. And then. Uh, I do like my wine also, um, but I find that white wine is uh, much better for my sleeping than the red wine. Red wine, guarantee I'm 
four hours, like exactly like you said, Dr. Meg, four hours, boom, awake. I'm like, Man, it's that red wine again. So, you know, just switch to white wine if, if that helps. And yeah, get a dog because <laughs> then you have to go for a walk after dinner. Right? So that's a, that's a tip. I, I like that. Get a dog. Yes, it's the solution. Well, you know to what they say: uh, if walk, your right? dog is overweight, you are not getting enough exercise. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> I, I like that. So, tell me, what sort of foods? And, and I also find it really. I love how you being in California, Beth, is making you you eat healthier. And for you, that's the treat. I think that's amazing. What are some of your favorite? meals or rest or easy recipes what is like the one thing that that you just enjoy and it fulfills you makes you feel good and like i said bonus points if it's an easy recipe because i'm out of ideas so that well my thing is salad i'm i'm i have to confess i love baking i love making pie it's you know it's this ritualistic thing that's, you know, for, and for all the reasons I mentioned before, why it uh, matters so much to me. But as for um, being a cook, I'm not at all. I mean, I'm good at arranging things on a plate. I'm really good at crackers and cheese, not Ritz. Don't worry, Dr. Meg, <laughs> I like, my, like rice crackers. Um, but yeah, I'm, what, I, what feels best to me is when I have a really nice big salad. And I mean, whether I'm on the farm or here, that's that's the one thing that I will do for myself as a meal that makes me feel really good. And I, what I especially love is when I'm on the farm and I can just walk out to the garden in my bare feet and pick the lettuce. Like that's not everybody Amazing. has that luxury. And of course, that's a very short uh, window of time, and especially in Iowa. Um, but you know, when you can grow some of your own things, that's that's definitely. Um, that feels really good. And then it's so satisfying because you're like, I just picked this out of the garden. It can't, you just can't get any healthier than that, right? You can't get any fresher than that. But I will have, I have to tell one little story though. The broccoli that we've grown in the garden, it gets these big worms. And I'll never forget the time that I steamed the broccoli and I thought I'd gotten all the worms out because I washed it really well. And then I went to eat and there were worms in my on my plate. And so Broccoli. I don't do broccoli anymore. <laughs> I don't do garden broccoli anymore. I have, a broccoli. I have a tip for you <laughs> okay, um, with, with garden broccoli. If you soak it in salt water, okay, um, next time it, it will bring the, the bugs and worms. And stuff I haven't like that quite out. gotten over it though. I just can't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, I can't yeah. unsee that worm on my plate. So. That's oh, macabre. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A little bit of chopped anchovies in it and chili flakes, <laughs> garlic. You won't even notice the worm. Okay. <laughs> a little extra protein. Yeah, right? In some countries, you know, chocolate covered or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I, I love, before I got my Instapot, salad was my signature dish because I did a summer short order at a country club and the director, uh, the directive was, the people didn't like to chew. So you had to make these really, really small chopped salads. So that became oh, really, really yummy. And now I, I want one. So Kat, what is your, or what is one of, or what are some of your favorite meals? Probably something easy that I can like get in. I, I'm sorry, the, the people who are watching can get inspired. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, I'm a big salad person myself. I, I think salads are amazing. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more elaborate at dinner. However, my lunches, I just threw it together about a couple of hours ago, literally are, um, you know, leftovers and a really good dressing and just kind of mixing it today. I put together since I know you said everybody can find, but everybody can find. And I foresee this one ingredient to be super popular in the next five years, and that is seaweed. I threw together some seaweed and a delicious uh, dressing, an Asian dressing that can be made in five minutes, over a ton of vegetables that my husband came home with, and tossed it together and ate it. I'm still full. It's just amazing. Like, seaweed has so many properties in it. Um, 
Uh, it's, it's a resistant fiber. It helps really grow healthy bacteria in your gut. It's great for your skin, your hair, everything. But um, I would say top three that everybody would love, probably um, really getting a good, like getting your signature sauce or signature dressing that you make, right? Find something that works for you. A simple vinaigrette that you can just add different things to and make it shine all the time. Add a different herb, add a different spice, so you can even marinate in it, you can toss the salad, toss dress, uh, leftovers in it. That would be one. Another one I would say, um, you know, don't be afraid of, of making different things and tasting new vegetables, taking new ideas and, and substituting those in for your old standbys to make them fresh again, right? If you like pasta, make it with a different type of pasta. If you like beans, make a different bean, right? If you like, uh, you know, making a saute of vegetables with steak, chicken, or fish, just change the vegetable enough. But one thing that I would say um, is super easy for people if they're trying to lower, let's say, their carbohydrate intake or get more vegetables and color and get some nice antioxidants and phytochemicals is to simply take a sweet potato or a large potato. Like a, I like to use colorful potatoes because they have the higher antioxidant content. Slice it with a super sharp knife and then put the slices about this thick into your toaster oven like the, like you're going to put a piece of this and then just repeat the function over and over and you literally get this beautiful piece of bread that's toasted. You can slather it with butter, ghee, olive oil, coconut butter, whatever you want. And that could be a bread uh, for your, let's say, for your hamburger or for your steak sandwich or whatever or open face. It's a great party pleaser. And, uh, and that would be really good. That was two, right? And so the third one, I'm just going to just give you another hint. And that is, it has nothing to do with food, but how you make things taste. Literally, you got to get your knives sharpened all the time. Like every few months, get your knives sharpened because I'm guaranteeing you, your food doesn't taste as good when you're sharp, when you're slicing with dull knives. So take them to like Sur La Table or your hardware store and get them sharpened. That it's so true. The sharper because before I worked short order, I would be scared by the big knives, and now you need the big knives because it makes the food taste better, right? And you're more likely to hurt yourself with a dull knife. Yeah. Excellent, great tips. So, Dr. Meg, what say you? What say me? I love sauces, pestos. Um, soups and stews. <laughs> so I make a lot of those kinds of things, especially in the winter time. But um, I love to make things like Thai uh, curry. Um, so good and really so easy. Um, let's see. Um, I, I honestly eat a lot of high fat food. So like, um, um, especially after I had my injuries, because um, it's, it's much better for the nervous system and the brain to have like, uh, I make my own coconut milk, um, avocados, nuts, seeds. And so in pestos, you're, you're getting nuts and I, I make all different types of ones. Like I just make up new ones all the time. It's like, what do I have in the kitchen? I'll just throw that in my food processor and make a new pesto. Um, but one of my favorites is like a lemon pistachio pesto. So um, that's so delicious. Just pistachio nut meats with, I love how they call them nut meats. Um, <laughs> so you can get it at uh, Trader Joe's. They have a nice package of those um, with basil and garlic and extra virgin olive oil um, and, uh, and then lemon. And of course, I don't add cheese to anything. So, and I don't use the fake cheeses. Once in a great while, I'll get those, but very rarely. And they have some really delicious ones now. But, um, but yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we're getting hungry talking about all this food. Um, so, I, I and I love put... to make these sauces because you can put them on anything. So, like, I'll make a piece of fish, and then I'll have a side salad, and I'll put some of the pesto on that, or I'll make a roasted red pepper sauce that's just four ingredients that just throw it in the Vitamix, boom, done. Um, and you can just get the jarred roasted red pepper and uh, Marcona almonds and um, shallots and garlic, those four things. Just so good. People I have a question. Um, yeah. Speaking of sauces and one who doesn't cook, um, how do you feel about bitchin' sauce? Have you ever had that? Mm -mm. You ever heard of it? No. Oh, okay. 
It's what is it? It's either made out of cashews or almonds. You can get it at Whole Foods and health food stores. And they have like a they have a uh, cilantro one and a um, chipotle one. Anyway, I, I, so I put I, that on my salad. On I dip stuff in it. I mean, it's just that's my go-to thing because I'm so lame that I don't really make that kind of stuff myself. But anyway, that might be a good tip. Check it out sometime. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's not cheap. I'm but making notes. Tasty. <laughs> yeah. I just all right. I'm, so speed round on nuts. What are your feelings on the nut butters? Because there's like a nut butter for anything and everything. Cat. Yeah. Um, well, here, here's the funny thing. Uh, it's not so funny, actually, but I'm definitely allergic to tree nuts. Um, However, I do enjoy my seed butters um, and they're fantastic. Now, I do. Many of my clients have issues with uh, overeating and eating um, uh, like they might have poor breakdown of certain foods like fat. Um, so for them, I'd say be careful because it's very easy to overconsume those with the, you know, the nut seed butters. I mean, I know for sure myself, I take my raw tahini butter. It's amazing. I put in a, a little yakon syrup and a little uh, Ceylon cinnamon and mix that up. And I have to be careful because that stuff is just incredibly good. And it's so easy to overeat. Um, it's not the calories. It's, it's just, you know, there's only so much fat that that liver and gallbladder are capable of handling. Um, but very good. I would say if you're if you're going to get the nut and seed butters, make sure you're reading the label. I prefer them to be raw versus um, heat, heated because you can break down all the, the, the good chemical constituents that give it that, that value. Um, walnuts are very high in omega-3. That would be a good one if you're looking for you know, anti-inflammation, you know, trying some walnut butters. Um, but all the seeds too, you do have to be careful if you're, you are eating them exclusively because they are rich in omega-6 fats, which are good fats, but in excess, they can be um, inflammatory. So you wanna watch that you don't have uh, all of your diet as like sunflower, safflower, um, that's, you know, so that you have more olives, let's say olive oil, walnuts. Good to know. I, I made walnut butter once because I had it and I wanted to try it. It was so good. But I made a small batch and, the, and I made myself eke it out because I knew I was going to be sad when it was over. But yes, I easily could have eaten it all in one sitting. So good. Yes. So good. Favorite. Yes. So I want to make sure we have time for goals. So what's, and it can be a food goal, it could be a recipe, it could be an eating goal, but I like to leave the audience with something that they can do immediately or almost immediately to better their lives in setting goals for their food, eating, et cetera, habit. So Beth, do you have a good goal that you want to bestow upon our people? Well, I have two personal goals at the moment. Both of them include baking. Um, I brought two giant zucchini back from Iowa, so I'm going to make uh, homemade zucchini bread. I'm, I've done everything you can possibly do with the zucchini, you know, the spiralizing to make the pasta, like fake pasta, that's really good. But um, so I'm gonna make some zucchini bread for my mom with my zucchini that I brought back. And I'm going to make a lemon meringue pie for my the woman that I'm renting a room from um, because she broke her leg. And ever since I moved in, she's been asking me for a lemon meringue pie. And I promised, and now that she has a broken leg, there's not a better time to cheer somebody up with a pie. So those are my goals. They have more to do with baking for other people rather than for myself. Well, I, and let me edit you because I think this is wonderful. So your goal is to make the homemade zucchini bread and the lemon meringue pie. And I think the goal for the people watching should be to make something and gift it to someone else. So, sounds Thank good. you, that, because that to me is what we need more of, you know, kindness and generosity and food is that way that we can connect with each other. Everybody needs to eat. Okay, not everybody needs to eat sugar. I got that, but you know, uh, hey, lemon meringue—it's vitamin C, right? <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't have to be something sugary. 
just that that you would take the time to make something for somebody else. You know, in Iowa, people drop stuff off at people's back doors all the time. But here, everyone's busy and, you know, reach out to a neighbor. Reach out to a neighbor that you, you know, maybe want to reconnect with an old friend or something. You know, use use that food as a as, a, as an entree, as a, as a way to, I don't know, a peace offering or a, an introduction or a thank you or just a random act of kindness. I love it. Okay, so now I'm changing the question because I love how we did this. So Meg, what is a goal that you're going to do yourself and what's a goal that you're gonna recommend for those who are listening, watching? That's so interesting because I, I'm, my diet is so good <laughs> that I'm like, I, I don't know that I set goals in the food thing anymore. That sounds maybe a little weird, but, um, I, I do encourage others to set new goals with their food and one being changing your food quality. Um, you know, up leveling your, your quality because it, it can, it can save your health. Um, and another thing, um, actually, you know, this is something I do have, um, and I recommend a lot too, is using a really high quality greens powder and just adding that to your diet so that you will get more vitamins and minerals from greens. Um, and the one I use is fresh greens, um, P H R E S H greens. And, um, there's actually a podcast on my website with the owner of the company on, uh, who created those, but uh, I do have a whole jar of them in there. I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I want to add more of that because I've been a little tired lately. Um, so I'm going to add more of that for a little more extra energy. <laughs> so you will so now more. I have a goal. See, the goal emerged. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. So you are going to add more green powder, and that's another goal people can look at. And if you send me the link to that podcast, I'll put it in the show notes okay. as well. Great. This is wonderful. So Kat, your turn. Oh, wow. I'm just in love with you ladies. You are amazing. And I'm going to take Beth's her suggestion for offering because I used to do that all the time and I have not been doing that for so many like months, maybe a few years now. I just, I've been out of the loop with looking for other people. Now it's different when they come over and we have a nice barbecue or whatever, but like the little things, right? Wrapped up and packaged nicely. I'm going to do that. Um, so that's my goal for myself. Um, and one thing that I would say that I find really, really important for myself and for other people is to really think about dietary diversity. I think we have really lost the art of, um, you know, foraging for food and, and, and um, you know, having hundreds and hundreds of different um, different types of plants available to us as we used to back in the day. Now we have, I think, it's like eight to ten different species per season that we eat. It's terrible. We need to do better. Um, so you know, diversity equals. Um, you know, we think about the microbiome, and we were talking about that earlier. But the more um, diversity that you have with the, the plants that you eat, the better outcome your gut has, right? Because each of them has different bacteria that um, uh, is, is, is being promoted. And we really are not doing a good job now with having more medication, more stress, uh, uh, you know, I won't even say the deadly word, but um, lots and lots of different things that are attacking our microbiome right now. And we need to, um, to be able to um, just enhance the flora, you know, eating fermented foods, eating colors. Whenever you can get a vegetable that is a different color, for instance, you see kale, but you see purple kale. You see white cauliflower, but then you also see purple and green. You see different zucchini colors. All of those things have their beautiful constituents that are disease fighting and disease um, uh, preventing. These are called phytochemicals, phytonutrients, they don't change. Um, and it can be really fun, right? Trying new, different things. Really trying to think about, um, I have my clients doing one thing, and this is what I'll end with, um, is to try and have 50 different novel uh, fruits and vegetables in a week. 
and you can write it down. I usually chart it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so let's say as an example, you have Spurrier turmeric that's yellow, right? Um, but let's say you use it again Thursday after you did it on Monday, you wouldn't count that again. Mm -hmm. um, you had blueberries one day, you don't, you can repeat it, but you won't count it. So it's a different, you know, spices, herbs, different things like that. And of course, fruits and vegetables. So spices and herbs count? Yes. You know, spices and herbs actually have more antioxidants than vegetables. They're literally medicinal. They're incredible. They're gifts, true gifts from nature. Nice. Well, I've learned so much. And yes, I am hungry. I'm sure everybody else is hungry. I did put a warning label on this live saying you may get hungry while you are watching. Uh, before we wrap, please tell me where people can find you. So Kat, where's the best place people can find you? Yeah, well, you can find me on Facebook. I've got, um, you know, my, I've got my Facebook group. It's called Healthy Hacks That Last. Um, also on both Insta and Facebook, um, Kat Dillon, RHN. Wonderful. And, and like I said, any links that you want to send me for the recap, please send them to me. And you can find the recap to this and all of the Gold Chat Lives at thedevmethod.com slash blog. So Meg, where can people find you? You can find me at meghayworth.com or at Dr. Meg Hayworth um, across the platforms, including um, YouTube. There actually are some um, on my channel. I do have some cooking videos on there. Um, and when you see my website, you'll be like, whoa, because um, it's uh, uh, my book, Get Well Now, um, Healing Yourself with Food and the Power of the Mind. It kind of encapsulates the holistic system of healing yourself and keeping yourself healthy with food and um, the mental and emotional and energetic parts of the self and balancing those so fantastic well thank you and Beth where can people find you uh, my website is the world needs more pie.com oh, so great it really does say it all doesn't it Beth <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one other thought on that giving pie away. I started making pies in cupcake tins so that you don't have to give away the huge pie. You can make it go a lot farther if you do little cupcake size pies and wrap them up in little wax paper and tie it with a ribbon. So Kat, to your point of, you know, packaging up something cute to be able to hand out, like then you've got this little sort of a, almost a party favor size thing. and. And that can really go a long way. Just random act of kindness to the, your FedEx delivery guy or postman or what have you. So oh, right. thanks for having me. Um, also, my cookbook, Ms. American Pie, is available as well as my um, my first book is called Making Peace, a memoir of love, loss and pie. And that really uh, sort of covers the whole story about how pie is meant to be shared and and that whole message about how pie helped me heal my grief and how it can help mm -hmm. others. So just wanted to get that message in there because I think it's important. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks all of you for joining me for this, it, this yummy topic. There, I said it, <laughs> but it's true. Food, it, it's like everything. It, it can heal you, it can make you sick. We don't want that, it can make you well. It's a source of communication. It's a source of memories. It's a source of love. So it, it's, I don't think, I mean, you all are just wonderful. Thank you so much for all the tips. Those of you who are tuning in, thank you. Um, if you need to learn more about me, I'm at the Dev Method everywhere or thedevmethod.com. And if you want to set goals in relation to work-life balance or food or anything else, please uh, grab a copy of your goal guide at Amazon or your favorite place to buy books. And so I really want to leave everybody with one final food for thought bit of. Anyway, uh, Beth, final tip? Don't be afraid to make your own pie crust. You can get over your fear of pie crust. You can get over your fear of a lot of other things, but just start with the pie crust. It's not that hard, I promise you. And also like Meg, I have a YouTube channel, The World Needs More Pie with tutorials on there. So don't be afraid. I love those. Uh, final tip, Dr. Meg. 
Uh, food can heal you. Food is medicine and um, finding out what medicine in the foods are best for you is actually really fun and exciting and joyful and um, if uh, allow yourself to explore. Excellent. And so Kat, what is your final bit of food for thought? I, I'm going to say um, just make the time. I think that people in, in, in being funny, they, they sort of come across as like they have a badge of honor for not cooking. And I think that that's really embarrassing. <laughs> like, don't be that person. Just take the time to, even if you're going to get takeout, make a little something on the side that's fresh for yourself to enhance the stuff that you bring in. You can, you can cut corners, it's great but have something that you made that you connected with and just taking the time to enjoy with peace, not hurrying up, not looking for phone, not doing that, just really. What a wonderful bit to end on. Thank you all again, Beth, Kat, Dr. Meg for joining me today. Everyone set the food goals and remember you can do it. Thanks for listening to The Deb Show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Deb Method on social media, and check out thedebmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.